Let me encourage you to turn to 1 Chronicles 29. That may be a chapter you have never turned to in church before. So feel free to open up to the front and find the index and you'll find Chronicles. Let's pray together. We've just declared it, Lord, that all I have is Christ. Hallelujah. That's where we, that's where we need to be knowing that he is our only hope for this life and for eternity. And so we give you all praise. Now, Lord, will you give us ears to hear you, hearts open to you? Will you teach us? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. When our membership in January 2011 voted to proceed toward uh, building that building and uh, all that's in there and remodeling and, and so on, and then when our officers determined that it would be the best stewardship, the best thing to do to then go further and seek to pay off our mortgage on this property in order to, to free us up for present and future ministry, we were not doing anything particularly unusual. Maybe unusual for our church. There, there haven't been uh, that many uh, building things, three major projects, this one of course, and then uh, the educational building, and then this one. But if you look in the Old Testament, there were four major building projects. You had, for instance, in Exodus 35 and 36, the building of the tabernacle as God prescribed. Now, I'm not going to read that to you. It was so tempting, and had I not determined to preach on 1 Chronicles 29, I, I, I would have had to go to this passage because one of the most amazing things about the Exodus passage is that uh, as Moses calls forth for giving over and above their regular giving and their regular worship and so on, the, the people out of out of hearts loving their God and wanting to worship Him, they gave. And then they, they gave and they kept giving to the point where it says Moses had to put out a decree, stop giving. We've got enough. I suspect that was the last time that statement was ever made in any situation anywhere. <clears throat> but that's, you must go back and read that. And then you have the building of the temple that we're going to, to look at in 1 Chronicles 29. And then you have, uh, after God's people had been taken into captivity and the, the temple in Jerusalem were uh, the, destroyed, 
Then after their release, you see the rebuilding of the temple and then the rebuilding of the walls of the city. So what we've done in having a building project and asking for gifts over and above regular giving seems to be God's pattern for these kinds of projects. We are going to look at this passage, and rather than read it all at once, I'm going to read a section to you, and then uh, we will look at that as we move through. And we, we pick up with uh, uh, the very beginning where David lays out the task for the people. It says, And David, the king, said to all the assembly, Solomon, my son, whom alone God has chosen, is young and inexperienced, and the work is great, for the palace will not be for man, but for the Lord God. The temple would be built by his son, Solomon, not by him. And that's clearly the biggest building project in the Bible. Uh, when you hear about the materials that were used, and again, this is as prescribed by God. Remember last week when we were talking about worship, we said the only one that can determine what glorifies God is what he says glorifies him. And you will hear about the kinds of materials that they used and uh, the, the decor and the decorations. And it would be tempting to say, well, that's just ostentatious. That's, just, that's over the top. And yet, it came from God. So when we, we see these, understand that, David here makes it clear that his appeal, that that task is not about David, it's not about Solomon, it's about God. And that should always be where our heart is before him. And then he tells what's been committed so far. We read in verse uh, 2 and, and following. First of all, he tells about his own commitment. So I've provided for the house of my God so far as I was able, the gold for the things of gold, the silver for the things of silver, the bronze for the things of bronze, the iron for the things of iron, and the wood for the things of wood, besides great quantities of onyx and stones for setting, antinomy. You know what antinomy is? I didn't either. I had to look that up and... Uh, it's, it's kind of uncertain what that, that word was. And if you have the New International Version, it said turquoise. So let's just assume it was some kind of a beautiful and precious stone. Colored stones, all sorts of precious stones, and marble. Now, those were uh, what, what David designated there was basically from... The, the country's treasury. And the country's treasury was built up because of military conquests that God had sent them on. So that's where a great deal of that came. And you might say, well, that, you know, that's easy uh, to spend the country's money. 
and yet this was what God prescribed. But it doesn't stop there because it goes on, verse 3, Moreover, in addition to all that I, I have provided for the holy house, I have a treasure of my own. Now this is about to come from David's personal treasure. And when we think of treasure, you know, you, you got to think of what Jesus said about treasure. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. A lot of times people get that backward. They say where your heart is, then your treasure will follow or something like that. It's not what it says. Jesus said where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. Here's from his personal treasure. He said, I have a treasure of my own of gold and silver, and because of my devotion to the house of God, I give it to the house of my God. Why? Out of devotion to the house of his God. Verse 4, 3,000 talents of gold of the gold of Ophir and 7,000 talents of refined silver for the overlaying of the walls of the house, for all the work to be done by craftsmen, gold for the things of gold and silver for the things of silver. Now, don't miss what I said to you earlier, the fact that Solomon was going to build this temple. David would never set foot in that. He was giving out of devotion to God. That's kingdom-focused giving. It's giving where we may never see the results. And, and by the way, that's what we do with missions to a great degree. Unless you go to a particular field and see you know, a slice, a week or two weeks of, of what's going on there, you may see some of the results. But for the most part, we don't, we don't know what all is entailed. And so when we give to, to missions, uh, we're giving in that way. David was giving it forward before we came up with that focus, wasn't he? He was giving it for out there. For his son, for his children, grandchildren, and for those who would follow now, I got a little curious on what kind of money it was talking about there. There have been all kinds. I've, I've just got to tell you all kinds of uh, estimates. But I've seen estimates of what was given to the temple in our modern-day <clears throat> numbers, dollars, to be as high as $400 million for God's people in giving that. You talk about a BHAG. You know what a BHAG is? Big, hairy, audacious goal. Jimmy Collins uh, did that in, his, uh, in his, his book, Built to Last. What an amazing goal that they had there. But it was a call from God. Upon them. Now, notice David doesn't say, Look, here's what I've given. You need to give like I gave, and then we'll be good. 
He doesn't do anything like that. You see, David, David understood. He, he didn't say, follow my example. He understood this was a spiritual decision. Just like it was for him, it was a spiritual decision between him and his God. And that's what he wanted. That's what he was calling his people to do. And this is how he calls them in that. Who then will offer willingly, consecrating himself today in the Lord? I think that's a beautiful call. Willingly consecrating himself today in the Lord. He didn't manipulate. He didn't guilt. He called him before the Lord. And then David tells of the giving of of the leaders. Verse 6, Then the leaders of fathers' houses uh, made their freewill offerings, as did also the leaders of the tribes, the commanders of thousands and of hundreds and Uh, the officers over the king's work. They gave for the service of the house of God, and then it gives amounts, 5,000 talents and 10,000 derricks of gold, 10,000 talents of silver, 18,000 talents of bronze, 100,000 talents of iron. And whoever had precious stones gave them to the treasury of the house of the Lord in the care of uh, Jehiel the Gershonite. Now, over the last two weeks, we've followed that pattern here in our church. We've received early commitments from many of the leaders of our church. I hope you'll be encouraged. I know I'm amazed and encouraged that prior to today, God has already prompted people to commit over $939,000. You heard it right. $939,380 has already been committed by less than a fourth of our families. Now, there is a, an appropriate response in this passage. Look at the response of the people. After they heard what their leaders had given and what David had given, verse 9, then the people rejoiced because they had given willingly. For with a whole heart... They had offered freely to the Lord. David the king also rejoiced greatly. Now, just for the next few minutes, I want us to focus on this amazing prayer. And for the most part, I'm just going to read it to you. Beginning in verse 10. It says this. Therefore, David blessed the Lord in the presence of all the assembly. And David said, Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our Father forever and ever. Starts out with praise to God. Yours, O Lord, 
is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you're exalted as head above all. He starts out with absolute praise to God. That's appropriate. That is always appropriate and the place to begin. And then verse 12. Both riches and honor come from you. You get it? You're going to hear this repeated by him. And you rule over all. In your hand are power and might, and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. And now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. Listen to what he says next. Verse 14, but who am I? And what is my people that we should be able thus to offer willingly? You see what he's saying? He's saying, who are we to even pretend like we're giving because for all things come from you and of your own have we given you? Everything is yours. May we never take credit for giving back to you something that is only yours in the first place. Verse 15, for we are strangers before you and sojourners as all of our fathers were. Our days on the earth are like a shadow and there's no abiding. See, he's already talked about how great God is and now he's talking about how small we are. O Lord, our God, all this abundance that we have, we have provided for your building, you are a house for your holy name, comes from your hand and is all your own. So he's putting it in perspective. Yes, all of this that we have given to you came from you. It's all your own. I know, my God, that you test the hearts and have pleasure in uprightness. In the uprightness of my heart, I have freely offered all these things. He's saying, you know our hearts. You look inside them. And now I've seen your people who are present here offer freely and joyously to you. O Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, our fathers kept, keep forever such purposes and thoughts in the hearts of your people and direct their hearts toward you. And then look, he's, he's giving it forward in his prayer. Grant to Solomon, my son, a whole heart that he may keep your commandments, your testimonies, and your statutes, performing all that he may build the palace for which I have made provision. It's an amazing prayer acknowledging that, you know, while all of this has come in, we've given him but his own. And then David said to the assembly, Bless the Lord your God, and all the assembly blessed the Lord, the God of their fathers, and bowed their heads and paid homage to the Lord and to the king. And they offered sacrifices to the Lord. On the next day offered burnt offerings to the Lord. And then it tells what all they offered uh, a thousand 
bulls, a thousand rams, a thousand lambs and their drink offerings and sacrifices in abundance for all Israel. So it drove them to praise and to worship. So here's how it is. Everything's God's. God gives to us and then he permits us to give a portion back to him and that causes us to acknowledge how great he is, how small we are, and it drives us to praise of him. And then there's one more thing here that I can't resist. Look what happened next, verse 22. And they ate and drank before the Lord on that day with great gladness. They had a party. <laughs> That's, isn't that just like God? After, after all of that worship, after all of that acknowledgement, they enjoyed one another and the good gifts of, of eating and drinking together. That's grace. It's all grace. Ultimately, the reason David, the leaders, and the people of this passage and in all the other accounts are so generous is because of a passion for the Lord and his kingdom. That's all it is. And St. Andrew's Presbyterian, you are a generous church. And I'm not just talking about what's already been committed, which is amazing to me. It's just, it's amazing. You knew that we were going to enter into a, this stewardship season, season, giving it forward. You knew that was coming during our missions conference. And yet, you committed more to missions for this next year than you ever have. And not only that, as we were finishing out our missions year, you not only gave everything that you had promised from last year, you gave more than that. Now, I didn't say stop giving because it wasn't until the final week. But, but the abundance is amazing. You know, one of the, the greatest meetings I ever go to is the, the end of the year mission meeting when we look at what has come in and we've already fulfilled our commitments with our our missionaries, and we are saying there, there's more money for us to distribute to the mission field. That, that's one of the greatest meetings I ever go to. You are a generous church. To me, the only explanation is that God has provided and that he's prompted his people out of gratitude to give generously to advance his kingdom. Thanks be to God for that. That's a passionate heart. Now, we started this series with the question as I was bringing you to our mission statement and to uh, our Vision 2017, talking about where we're headed with, with the question that I gave to our session several years ago is, what if St. Andrew's Presbyterian Church disappeared? 
And we're going to look at a brief video where some of your fellow members begin to answer that question, at least for them. Every Sunday we go home and just feel so filled. I walked into the Sunday school room and I met her and a year later we're married. So that's how, I'm, that's what the church means to me. It's a, it's a real special place. The next thing you know, we were visiting on Sunday morning and it was like every sermon was piercing our heart. There was an atmosphere here where we could, uh, we could really get involved, not just get lost. Came to St. Andrews and our children loved it. And we haven't left since. We've been here ever since. Looking back on the, the origins of the, the church where it was and where it is today, it's a, it's a remarkable journey. We need to look back on as much as looking ahead. And Dad has passed away 16 years ago. It wasn't just my immediate family that lost Dad. And they really came around, Mom and I and the extended family. And, and now Mom is suffering with dementia and is really disappeared mentally. And I'm getting all kinds of support of stories from other people that have been where we are. So we're not alone. My wife uh, had a serious illness. And, you know, when you look back and you don't think things are gonna to happen to you. And then when they do, you realize what support that you have with a church body. I don't know how we've made it through it. It's the Giving It For campaign. Specifically, when you say giving it forward, you're, you're giving something that you have built up and that you've paid all for the next generation of kids coming up in this church. That's not, not a burden they're going to have to feel. I think it's important for us to pay off our debt because it frees us. Uh, we don't have to worry about our debts. We can focus more on, on using money to minister to people. In the Bible, it tells us, Luke 12, 48, to whom much is given, much is required. And to me, that means that if you are blessed with talent, with wealth, with time, um, any blessing, we are to give that back to God and, and benefit others with that. Well, we're prayerfully considering what God wants us to do with our money for the next three years. I mean, we gave in the last campaign. And we, we hope to be able to give again. Uh, a renewed focus on praying through His will uh, during this campaign, what, what He wants us to do, um, how He wants us to be involved, how we can encourage others to be involved. All of this has created a warm atmosphere for uh, a well-functioning church uh, that I think uh, is making a difference in the world. Well, I want to thank each and every one of you for being here for our commitment event today. I've been so encouraged and excited to see the uh, participation in the last 
few weeks and certainly over the last several years as we are now enjoying our, our great hall, our youth area, our secure children's area. Uh, this beautiful sanctuary has been renovated. We're calling this stewardship season uh, giving it forward with the desire and hope to bless those that come after us. Our desire is simply this, that we will listen to the Lord and participate to the degree that He wants us to. Be in prayer about this. That is the key. We have saturated this time with prayer. And so we are trusting God, who is the supplier of all of our needs, to bless us as we seek Him through this giving it forward. Thank you. God bless you.